Hello, welcome to Be With The Word. I am Dr. Jerry Creed. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm here with my co-host. I'm Dr. Peter Malinowski, clinical psychologist in Indianapolis, Indiana. It is so good to be here with all of you, and it is really good to be here with you, Dr. Jerry. Thank you for Thank you. the time. Yeah, it's great. Yes, yes, we're so excited. Um, this is our weekly show where we reflect on the Sunday readings, and we have tons for you today. The, t- the big takeaway is the four ways, what is it, to hear with your heart. So this is Souls and Hearts, and we're going to be talking about the heart and how you can really hear with the heart and, and, and really maybe approach things in a different way. Now, if you haven't already listened to or read the readings, we want to encourage you to go over to our sister podcast, which yes. is Hear the Word, which yes. has been it's always been available on Spotify and Apple and all those, those um, sites, but it is also now available on YouTube. So if you're a YouTube listener, just jump on over to hear the word and then come back over and listen to us here. Uh, we've tried to make it a little easier for you. And uh, so, Dr. Peter, uh, I am enjoying some warmer weather getting now finally in Atlanta, but not too warm. And uh, getting out a little bit more than before because we were um, obviously we've been uh, more uh, staying at home. Uh, yes. through this whole pandemic. Uh, looking forward to getting out in little ways, but still staying as safe as I can. Um, but I'm really excited about this week's readings. And here's why. I think that um, these readings are really challenging. They're the, the, it's, the, the main gospel is the parable of the, of the sower, right? And most of us, especially if we've been raised going to church are familiar with this parable. It's, you know, been told so many times, probably right. priests might have their standard, you know, uh, homily ready to go for how to, how to preach this. So really kind of hoping that we can take, take it into a, like take a new angle on it, you know, look at it a little differently uh, than before. Um, before, you know, I, I get in there, I kind of want to say something about parables because this is the first time we've really had a, a, I think, I don't know, I'm trying to think now, I don't know that mm. we've really had to get into parables before on the show mm. since we started in Advent, but there may have been smaller ones, I'm not sure. But this is a rather elaborate, well-developed parable, uh, even, and it even has a commentary afterward, uh, right. which you don't always get. So this is so interesting to me, and and why Jesus even chooses parables is interesting and i know a lot has been said on it but the way i look at it is um we can learn things by studying and we can learn things by reading i guess like obviously i do all the time right but if we really want our heart impacted if we don't if we don't want it to just be an intellectual uh enlightenment if you will but a heart change i really think that um it has to be a story and it has to have an impact. And a person has to have an experience with it. So I can even imagine Jesus. Like, here's first of all, in this parable, Jesus shows up and he's um, gets on a boat. So it's like we, we now realize that he's not really teaching in synagogues. Like he does at the very beginning, right? And it's probably because he's been kind of like shut out of them by and large. Now we see him actually getting on a boat and crowds forming to listen to him. So he gets out in a boat. I don't know, it doesn't say, but I imagine 
that there might have been a sower somewhere that he could point to, right? As he's telling this, maybe, or maybe he didn't need to because they all know about sowing seed or whatnot. But that that he, when Jesus told this parable and the people were listening, especially they would get it maybe more than some of us because um, they would be very familiar with sowing seed and all this kind of thing. Um, but they had their hearts changed. They were, it was like a lightning bolt hit them. And, cause, and something in this parable said something to them. And I think there's a message for more than one, obviously more than one person or one type of person in this story. So I really want to explore that. I'm really excited about that. Um, and and I and so I even want to explore with you, Dr. Peter, a little bit, if there are any stories that leap out to you. I know I have, a, I have at least one that I kind of want to share in a moment, but that we can talk about those aha moments where we just go, wow, God has something to say to me right now. And I have right. to. Right. Right. No, I think I think if you look at sort of developmental psychology and you look at even the way that we teach things to our children, it's all through stories. Right. It's through these stories that we read to our children. It's through, you know, Aesop's fables. It's through, you know, the the the, the Brothers Grimm, you know, the fairy tales. There's all kinds of lessons that we have in our cultural literature, right, that we are trying to pass on to our kids, that we are trying to pass on in terms of, because, because you know, a three-year-old, a four-year-old is not going to learn just by us reading the catechism. Can you imagine how dry that would be? Can you imagine how, like, not connected, how not attuned that would be to a little one? So, you know, especially when we're small, and we are supposed to be like little children, these things have an impact, like you were saying, Dr. Jerry, that goes beyond just the intellectual to registering, not just in the mind, but also in the heart, also in the soul, and sometimes in the body, right? I don't know how many people get chills when they read the catechism. I, that's possible, you know, if something really gets you. But a story, man, that can get you, as one of my former clients said, it can really hit you in the feels, you know, yeah. it can really hit you in the feels. And so, yeah. you know, he's not just he's wanting us to be able to take this in, in an integrated way, you know, not just like you said in the head, but throughout all of us. Right. Yeah. All parts of us. So absolutely. I love that. I do. Uh, that's why we're so drawn to to well, of television shows, to movies, to right. books that have stories that grip us, that speak to us. I mean, not all of them, of course, do profound work some of them are <laughs> problematic but, but but we're drawn to story yeah I, I see i see god as the author of all story i mean he speaks right. to the story even in our heart that we're all on a journey really right and and that we recognize that god is moving within us and taking us on a journey but but i i did want to point out something that i thought was interesting there's passages here where jesus says you know there are people who will who won't hear you are they're here, but they won't understand. They they won't they won't, they have sight, but they won't see it. They won't get. Basically, there are people who won't get it, mm-hmm. and I think that's interesting. And we could possibly even take that the wrong way. And I think that what I think what Jesus is saying here is a little bit like you can't experience Christianity, like you can't experience the faith from the outside. You have to be able to do it on the inside. You have to be, you can't experience God as an atheist standing on the outside reading about him. Right. Absolutely. You have to enter into this mystery. You have to enter into this experience and be willing to have an experience in order to be changed and to be moved and for something to take place. Right, right. 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 So, yeah. so I think that's going to come up as we look at these at these readings and so on. So, the, what I'm so excited about is because this is the, kind of like doing the four ways 
right? To hear with the heart. And it's based on these readings. And so, but before we explore that, so we hope you will stay with us because you really want to hear these four ways. <laughs> I feel like a marketer. I'm not really a marketer, but I'm trying my best here. But before we go there, I have to make a plug, right? For, for souls and hearts, right? So please, if you haven't, if you're listening and you haven't been to our website, come to soulsandhearts.com and register on our site because then you're going to get a weekly update it's going to tell you all the cool things that we're doing we're doing tons of things with blogs and courses and, and all this kind of all kinds of interesting information we've got we're getting catholic mental health professionals from around the country all coming together at souls and hearts providing really good education there's tons and tons of free stuff we also have a couple of courses uh that do cost something and one of them is the be called course which is a fantastic um, a program developed by Dr. Mark Glafke with my assistants, and he works tons with seminarians and with obviously people um, struggling with figuring out their vocation, whether it's to the priesthood, whether it's to marriage, or whether it's to um, you know some ministry in, in in the church. And so, how do you kind of get your life in order in order to be able to make a decision and to be able to fulfill your call? And that's kind of what this course is about. So we're really excited about it. And if you yourself are, you know, you already know your vocation, share it. We ask you just share this course with somebody you think might benefit. Right. Right. Yeah, that's that is a great course. And Dr. Mark Lefke is a good friend of both uh, Dr. Jerry and me. He's got a passion for this. His whole career is around helping people in this particular area. So he is one of the best one of the one of the very best in the entire world to be able to uh, to, to be able to share this, and so we're so excited that he put that course together, and uh, and and it's out there for you. So so like Dr. Dr. Jerry said, if you, maybe you're set in your vocation, and if you are, praise be to God. But it might be something that you point out to that person that you know is really struggling with that vocation, you know, yeah. just to help them out a little bit. So yeah, yeah. So thank you. Great, great. All right. So I'm excited to get into this. All right. We've got this is interesting. Most people know about the uh, the sower. I think it's interesting because I did a little bit of research. Right. And apparently um, in Palestine at the time, a sower, a a guy could go out and like spread the seed with his hands, I guess, go around and Mm -hmm. or um, this was lazier, but was actually fairly common. They would put a bag with a hole on it. On a donkey, and the donkey, and they would guide the donkey around, and the paths and the fields were narrow, apparently, and so um, the seed would fall on good ground, but it would also fall in the wayside. It would fall in the path before, so that sort of explains why people listening would would really get it, you know, because I know the first time I'd be like, I listened to this, or I don't know if it was the first time, but first time I perked up i remember thinking to myself why would he put it on all these horrible places thorns and rocks paths and and, right paths. yeah right. yeah so a little bit of the context of understanding palestine at that time kind of helps to understand that piece all right yeah. so what so what are the four the four places where the seed do you remember doctor yeah so the first one is on the path right the seed falls on the path it sits there and then nothing happens until you know, the birds come and, t- and eat it up, take it away. Okay. Right? Yes. Yeah. All right. So that first one, I'm going to equate, we can explore this further. I'm going to equate that with those who have a closed mind. Those people who have are unteachable. They don't want to learn anything. They don't want to grow. They Maybe they know it all. I don't know. <laughs> they think they know it all. So it could be pride. 
could be a, a, a state of pride or it could be a state of fear. Maybe they just, they're just afraid to be changed. Right. So and it could be kind of cognitive, like what we'd say cognitive inflexibility, you know, just not willing to consider other points of view because they're comfortable or they don't want to be challenged. Right. So there you go back to the fear thing that you were bringing up. You know, I don't want to, I don't want the implications of this. So what you're seeing is even if they hear it, it's not going beyond the ear. It's not actually sinking into the mind and it's not sinking into the heart. It's not sinking into, it's not gripping them. It stays on the surface. And it's funny, um, uh, Dr. John Gottman, uh, who is uh, a renowned kind of marriage expert, statistician, his wife, Julie Gottman, is a, is a psychologist. And they, together, they've written tons and tons of books on marriage. And they've done all this research on, on married couples and observing their, their differences. And, and, and he, and he uh, figured out what makes a successful marriage. What are the qualities? All this kind of business. And one of the things that he said was that the husband has to be willing to be influenced by the wife. And apparently when this came out, and, he, and this was probably the late 90s or something when he said this, it made the newspapers. Because apparently <laughs> out, outrage apparently ensued or, or disbelief maybe or something. Some people were, yeah, like were, were took it negatively um, or some people just took it as this novel revelation, which which is interesting that it should be. <laughs> yeah. But... But uh, yeah, what do you think about that, about the idea that That's, husbands need to be influenced yeah, by Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think, I don't know, I, you know, so the late 90s, right? So I was married in 96. Um, still then, I mean, I think it's a little surprising to me because most people, I think most men in the late 90s, right? you know, might suggest that you should be influenced. I don't know, though. I mean, maybe in conservative evangelical Catholic or, or conservative no, circles. This evangelical was not circles, not any of that. audience. No, nope. not a Christian audience. Nope. Wow. There was pushback wow. and he got a lot of negative comments, a lot of pushback to even just saying that basic thing. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't in a marriage and family program at that time, so I wasn't really learning that stuff. But that's really interesting, Dr. Jerry, that there would have been that much resistance to it back then. So he's yeah. kind of breaking, breaking ground, right? Like say, hey, you know, husbands love your wives to St. Paul, right? That means that they should be able to have an impact on you. I mean, right. it doesn't mean that you the communication or the change should all be born by the by the wife. Well, I think that what we're to me honestly where that comes from is the husband or a lot of men in general um, have a very competitive mindset. So if something that is brought to their attention that isn't what they were thinking, they immediately go into how do I argue against it mm. and how to you know. And so I think what Gottman was getting at is guys, you've got to like put that down. You've got to be willing to just put aside your immediate reaction or your need to be right, or you need to get it right or explain yourself and just listen and just see where she's trying to share with you. Doesn't okay. mean you necessarily will agree. It just means be willing to be influenced. Um, it doesn't mean that you have to like conform to whatever she's saying. Right. It means to be able to to take it in and hold it and consider it at least. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it is kind of a conversion. Like there's a change of heart. You don't look at your wife as somebody you're competing with. Right. Or you have to right. dominate and win every argument over. You actually 
hey, how about start seeing her as someone who is there to help you? You're on the same team. You're wanting to like work together that she has a say that's worth listening to. So I guess it is surprising that it, even in the 90s that this was new information <laughs> or difficult information to hear, but apparently it was. All right. So, but we need to do it with, <laughs> we need to be like that with God, really, right? We need to be yeah. open to an experience that changes our hearts. Um, I was thinking... well. That's and that comes out of that comes out of that second that comes out of that that actually no it comes out of the gospel too right where um, where um, where Jesus right is quoting Isaiah and he says gross is the heart of this people that will hardly hear with their ears he's not going after their minds. Right. He's going after their hearts. The, the problem is not in the intellectual. It's in the it's in the receptivity and the dispositions of the heart. That's what he's that's what he's pulling out from Isaiah, you know, to kind of contextualize what he's trying to teach. Yeah. 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 You know, I've got an example I'm going to give. I don't think I've shared this before. If I have, I'm sorry. But um and it's sort of one of those the examples that I like to I've given in different talks before and I've had people be affected by it. So I like this story. Um, I, you may not know this, I don't know, but I do like my space clean and tidy. You might not know that if you looked at my office sometimes, but I get anxiety around with messes around, right? And uh, <laughs> so who knows how I've survived for 28 years of marriage because my life is not <laughs> like that, but we work it out. Uh, but anyhow, I can remember this time and uh, this was when all my kids were at home and they were all teenagers. And I can remember this one incident where I came home and no one was in the house, but in the living room all over the, the um, coffee table and everywhere was probably about 40 vials of of um, nail polish and you know all the nail polish stuff the pads and various things and stuff that goes with it, it was just all over the place and because uh, I have two daughters and uh, they'll do they'll do each other's nails and I can remember my first reaction was was actually anger and was like why couldn't they put their stuff away what's wrong with them why did they leave this mess? and I could tell that I was getting this this like you know, kind of thing. And uh, why am I the only one that cleans up around here? Why can't they be respectful and all this kind of business? But then something kind of hit me, kind of hit me in the heart. And I might even choke up to say it now because now it's reality. Um, there's going to be a time when they're not going to be there anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And there's going to be a day when I come home and there isn't going to be nail polish on the, on the coffee table. And and what will I have done? Will I have spent my time bemoaning the fact they didn't clean up or will I have enjoyed and appreciated their presence? And so it hit me so powerfully that I'd let that, I was able, obviously at that moment, I was able to let it go and just appreciate the moment that God gave me these children as gifts. And I was all uptight in my head about something and I needed to let it go. So in that moment, I feel like I had to be receptive to an experience that God, a message that God, I believe God wanted me to, to take in. Yeah. Yeah. So. Wow. Wow. So there was then a moment where you could appreciate, treasure, cherish 
your children, your daughters, you know, and what a different shift, right? When they come home, right. As opposed to, as opposed to, you know, your mess makes me uncomfortable. You shouldn't do that. You know, and then there's even a temptation sometimes to moralize that it's inconsiderate, you know, blah, 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 you know, right. 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 I would have missed the whole, my whole moment. And I think we, we sort of spend our lives missing the point. Um, and it doesn't mean I can't say to them right. with a different spirit, Hey, would you guys put your stuff away right. or if I needed to, but, but it would be not the same tone. It would be, right. you know, it would be a completely different, it would be a way of still speaking to them with, with love and appreciation. Right. Um, right. yeah. So I feel like at least that seed landed in good soil in that moment, but it started, it landed first in the, maybe it was the thorny <laughs> or the stone and then it, it made its way. If it, thanks, thanks be to God into a better, better spot. So, what, so what's the second type of place where the seeds land? So second, the second place is when it lands on rocky soil, right? So this is where mm-hmm. it springs up, right? But then, when the conditions become more difficult, right, when there's drought or when there's hot sun, right, that starts and there's mm-hmm. not the depth of soil, right? There's only yeah. an inch, inch and a half. So so there we have the issue of no depth, right, where we haven't really spent time thinking about it or reflecting on what is God trying to tell me? What, are, what can I really learn from this? Do I think it through? You know, so are the people listening on the side of, the Jordan or wherever, are they really reflecting on what this says to me in my life? Or are they just so superficially receiving the information that it just goes by them? You know, um, and that could have been me if, if uh, I'd gotten that kind of insight and then I just quickly moved on and didn't spend any time reflecting on how, what it actually means for my every day. Which or, if really did take it in, it would change my everyday, not just this that way. moment. Or this way, it's, it says when trials mm-hmm. and persecutions come. So let's say that oh, you're, yeah. you are set, right? But your daughters come home, right? And they're bickering against, you know, bickering with each other. And they're, 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 uh, they're fighting, they're irritable, right? And you get drawn into that and you lose you lose the presence that you had before, uh, right? Because now beautiful. you're, 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 you're stuck. And I think, I think that's what he's trying to get at trials, persecutions. This is when kind of the going gets tough. And um, I have an example of this. So I, I have chickens, right? And the chickens overwinter in this, in this, in their, in their pen, we keep them in a, in a, like a, in what we call a chicken tractor. It's a, it's an enclosure that's portable, like a, like a little hut, and we continually put in straw there, okay? And it builds up, right, over time so that by the time we move the chickens, it's about, I don't know, 14, 15 inches deep, right? And so in the early spring, there was this huge weed. Huge weeds grow up right around the outside of that tractor because there's all this nitrogen in the soil right on the surface, right? And they get to be like three, four feet high. They grow incredibly fast because how rich that soil is, but right on the surface. And it's so easy to pull them out. They never develop a taproot because Mm. the roots are only an inch deep. So they're the easiest weeds to remove because they come right out. They're not deep rooted because they haven't had to, they haven't been tried. They haven't, they haven't experienced tribulation. They haven't had to struggle at all for nutrients. They haven't had to earn their way. So they're really vulnerable. 
right? And it's a lot of fun to pull those weeds out in the spring because they come out much easier than the same weed. These are thistles, right? Which do develop a much more extensive root system out in the pasture. So, I love it. Well, Dr. Peter, that is the most relevant example that fits with the literal (laughs) interpretation of this parable. I love it. If you have that. Uh, Exactly. So that's that's great. That's great. it makes, it, me want to do an experiment. it makes me want to do an experiment because we take that bedding and we use it for mulch and we use it for composting. So I'm curious, like if I take all that bedding away and just leave the weed there, like now it has to cope without all that having leached into the soil. Maybe it would burn up, you know, but I don't want it yeah. to go to seed. I don't want it to go to seed and spread that all <laughs> over the garden. So. And it's yeah. too much fun to pull them up. So it probably will never happen. So. But th- so that would be like the aha moment. Right. And then five minutes later, I forgot all about it. I've moved on to being bitter and angry right. again. Right. And how often do we do, how human is that, right? How often do we try to get our, do we try to get into a place where we want to handle something, but we have some unexpected curveball come in, right? And we just default back to what comes naturally to us in our anger or in our disappointment or in our frustration or whatever it is that we're experiencing. Getting carried away by the, the passions of the flesh, right? You know, that we just give into. So Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. All right, so what was the third one was the thorns. We haven't talked about thorns. Thorns, yet, right? yep. So uh, so to me, I saw the thorns as living a life that is so busy and so, so much going on that you're really, the seed doesn't really have any possibility of growing very far because it's going to get swallowed up and just because it's so distracted does that ring true to you shaded well you picked up on the cares and the uh the cares um and the lure of the riches i picked up more on the anxiety mm-hmm. i picked up more on the anxiety right the, the the fear right that that does have this way of shading over the seed right cutting off the light cutting off the light and then also taking all the nutrients from the roots, right? So that the plant winds up losing the competition to the weeds. Mm, right, and these right. weeds that they're talking about, they're not just any weeds. The, the translation is of, of, I don't know exactly how to say it in English, but darnel, darnel, D-A-R-N-E-L. And that's a weed that is so heavy that you can actually use it as fuel, right? So when, when Christ talks about like burning the weeds, He's not just talking about just burning them in the pile out back. He's actually talking about using, you can actually use them for fuel. That's how thick they are. Once you dry them, that they can actually be used for fuel. So these are weeds that are gobbling up all kinds of nutrients from the soil. And you can mm-hmm. see how a seed in that, in that situation would have a very difficult time surviving. Right. So, right. Yeah. Okay. Well, that really sounds like our world a lot of the time to me. <laughs> anxieties and, and distractions and so well, on. Especially so, in the world we live in today, right? There's a huge temptation to give in to the thorns of COVID, right? The, the, the coronavirus, right? There are so many ways that we could get that we could get caught up in anxieties. It's it's a huge challenge now to be able to hold on to our recollection and our peace and a sense of security. So that one's mm-hmm. particularly, I think, relevant in our in our current uh, challenging, you know, environment. Yeah. And you know it's interesting you say that, and I'm just going to make a little reference to the to the uh, Romans because we're, I focus a lot on the parable because and Matthew because it's so much to it it's hard yeah, not to but, yeah, but yeah to say something really quickly to that and to maybe to that anxiety you're talking about is that right. what's cool about Romans 
is that um, what I thought is that there's this whole image of all of creation being in labor mm-hmm. and this whole idea that the earth itself, the, our world, is about to be transformed. And so what I liked about that is that basically we're standing on the threshold of this daybreak of grace that's, that's about, that is, that is emerging. And, and again, to your point, we don't have to do anything. We just have right. to witness it. That it's happening. So even if there are a lot of scary things going on and we have anxieties and stuff like that, we can maybe what we need to be looking at is saying, yeah, there are persecutions and there are things that happen. But, wow, we're on the verge of something fantastic in the the whole world. Where sin abounds, grace abounds the more, right? So, yeah. And it's really important that point you're bringing up about the soil. I spend a lot of time working with soil. Um, and, um, you know, I read books about it really into understanding the soil. We do soil tests to kind of see what, what's going on with the soil. Um, and it's an amazing thing because the soil is really receptive. Um, you know, the, 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 the soil is like, that's where it's like the nest or the, the environment in which the seed grows. The, the, the soil doesn't make the seed grow. The, the, the principle of life, the, the, the essence of life is in the seed, but the seed needs the soil and the soil needs the seed. There's a relationship there, you know, between us as, as Christians and the seed being the word of God or Christ himself, right? So there's this relationship between, there's a distinction, but there's also this relationship. And one of the things about soil, if you actually look at the Latin word for it, it's humus, and that's also the same root for humility, right? So we need to be able to be humble, receptive. We need to not worry about making the seed grow. You don't actually have to make the seed grow, but you want to you maximize the environmental conditions to foster the seed's growth. And that seed will grow to the degree provided for by the soil. That's so the that, amazing thing. That's 30, so, 60, or 90-fold, right? So that so, takes the pressure off of us. That takes the pressure off of us. We actually, we the soil, unless there's a seed, can't grow anything, right? The seed has to be there, but the soil is also essential. So there's this partnership between Christ, between mm-hmm. our Lord Jesus Christ and us in that relationship. It's amazing. And it's getting lost now. A lot of times people just use the soil now as a holding place for seeds, right? That's part of the problem with uh, conventional agriculture is that they, they actually try to apply all the chemicals and all of that. But if you have a really healthy living soil with all the microorganisms and all of that, it's rich, it's deep. There's all kinds of diversity in there. There's all kinds of health in there. There's all kinds of things going on. Microbes, you know, all kinds of things happening, enzymes that are... Um, that are going on in there and that characterize a healthy soil as opposed to a sterile soil. Sweet. And that creates a lot of robustness there too. So I love it. (laughs) Nothing to add to this. I'll go to Lowe's and get a bag of soil and put it in my plants or something. It's all I have. Um, I don't typically, I have herb. I do grow a few herbs on my windowsill. That's mm-hmm. all I got. <laughs> yeah, you've seen them. All right. Well, let's get to kind of the the bigger theme, the four takeaways and that kind of thing that we wanted to say here. And yeah, because we kind of covered the good soil, right? We just covered the fourth one, which is the good soil. So yeah, so, yeah, so, so we can go what, right to that. What are the ways to hear with the heart? 
So let's kind of go through them. Because your takeaway this week isn't going to be just what I mean, it could be one thing if you want to do one of the beginning ones. But I, I'm going to challenge people to do all four, um, or even if it's in a little way. Um, but the first one is the first takeaway will be to allow yourself to be influenced. And we're not talking about, you know, uh, agreeing to everything all the time or anything like that. You know, um, right. it's about but being especially with obviously with God maybe with our loved ones, being willing to be influenced, being willing to be taught. So it's a basically being that soil that is receptive, right? Is receptive to something new, allowing entry. Because if you don't allow entry for the seed, there's nothing's going to happen, right? There's going to be a bird coming to take it away. <laughs> That's right. Right. Very Just good. like on the path, right? So. Yeah. And the second one is spend some time in reflection. Ponder what it means. So once something has hit you, if you if you're open to something, to hearing God's word, if you're open to to His message, maybe God's word is through your own prayer every day, or maybe receiving God's word is through some experience, like the one example I gave with my daughters. But whatever it is, take time, slow down, and just like ponder it in your heart, like Mary, and let it sink in, and reflect on what it means. Don't be that superficial seed that just you know, quickly forgets about it. And the yeah. third one is making some space and some time um, to be with it, right? To, to again, not, you reflect on it, you thought about it, now slow it down, right? Make some space in your everyday life. So if there's a lot of distractions and you, you may have to let go of some distractions and make a bit of space, make a bit of time um, to, you know, uh, not allow the thorns in, whatever they are, whether it's an anxiety itself, you're going to have to make a space that might involve, right? Some breathing exercises, sort of, sort of that deregulation to be able to like come down from anxiety or, you know, get some space away to really let it sink in, right? Um, allow it to grow. So it's taking in some, it's allowed entry, whatever the experience is, whatever the insight is, it's been having some nourishment from the soil by being with it. It is um, allowing it to grow a little bit. Sit with it, yep. allow it to grow in your heart, right? And then the next part is taking some kind of action as a direct result. That's going to be the fruit, right? So my if my daughters didn't experience something different from me after I had that experience, they never experience anything different from me then there was no fruit that it was just some brilliant insight i had but i went about my everyday life nothing changed so some way i have to be changed i have to do things a little differently that would be noticed all right so i'm I, now if you choose only to do one of the steps maybe you want to just do the first step or the first and the second step but if you can i challenge you to try to do in some way all four and really now don't take worry it in. Don't worry if you can't remember all those. Maybe you're in the car, you can't write them down, whatever. They're in the 60-second skim. Uh, my wife, Pam, writes the 60-second skim for each one of these Be With The Word shows, and you can register for that on our website, and you'll get that 60-second skim. Uh, it's also in the show notes. If you're picking this up off of, um, if you're picking this up off of uh, uh, 
Apple Podcasts or off of Spotify or something like that. It'll be in the show notes as well. So you don't have to try to copy all that down if you don't want to. We've got it there for you. Go to the website. That's the easiest thing. It's just go to soulsandhearts.com. Go to Be With The Word. It's going to be right there under the video. So um, so you can pick those up. Review those, though, and think about what they would be for you. And if you're married, might not be a bad thing to just check out with your spouse, too. Like, you know, is there any issues with any of these? You know, I mean, that's mm. a huge thing for couples, too. So think about it in your important relationships, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Dr. Peter, as always, it's a pleasure to uh, to sit with you and reflect yeah. on these readings. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, it'll be almost I think we're hitting almost six months of doing the show. I, I think. think we're I think we're more than we're more than six months. Right. Because we? we've done we've done. We started. Oh, we, yeah, we started. We yeah, we're Seven more than months. six months in. I think this is episode 34, actually. Okay. So, yeah. So we are like into it. So. Yes. More to yep. come. I can't wait to get all the way to next Advent and then be yes. able to be like, Advent again. We're going to take a new, whole different spin, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, because we'll be in year B, so we'll have entirely new readings and everything uh, for yeah. next year. So, And Sweet. you know what? I mean, spread the word about this. If you're really enjoying these, think about who might, who might, you know, who might benefit from this. Let them know about it. And if you haven't already you know, get this, uh, register and subscribe, right? Get on, you know, subscribe to this and, and like it and help us with all that marketing stuff that I don't know very well either. We both hate. <laughs> We've had to learn so much about business that we don't, we didn't want to learn. <laughs> yeah. So, so like it and subscribe and all that other stuff that people that know what they're doing, like on YouTube videos, ask you to do. Right. All right. that. Stuff. Just follow See the that. other people that know what that really know what they're doing and help us out. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, so, so uh, we look forward to your any comments too. If you've got anything you want to share right. with us, uh, we are very open to hearing your thoughts and your ideas and, and and so on. So, hey guys, we hope that you enjoy. Have a blessed week, and uh, we look forward to talking to you next time. So until then, be still. Believe. Be loved. Take good care. God bless you all.